Hi, my name's Adia. I'm 16. I go to HKIS, and my pronouns are she, her. Hello, my name is Allie. I also go to HKIS. I'm also 16, and my pronouns are also she, her. Hi, I'm Clorinda. I go to Harrow, Hong Kong. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm also 16. Um, hi, I'm Matthew. I'm 17, and I go to HKIS, and my pronouns are he, him. Welcome to the March 1st episode of the IYNA podcast series. Yes, sir. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about happiness, considering that the International Happiness Week or Day, it's a day, is on March 20th. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're also going to be talking about sleep because Sleep Awareness Week is from March 14th to March 20th. So we actually right in the middle thick of, of it. Yes, exactly. All right. So in this episode, we're going to cover four big questions surrounding happiness. All right. Um, So I'll start off. Uh, Can happiness exist without sadness? So my own like hypothesis sort of before research, researching this topic was no, because (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm guessing it can't because then you would not have a contrast between, like, happiness and sadness, and your happiness would be decreased because you wouldn't experience sadness. And what I found in my research pretty much corroborated this um, hypothesis. Yeah, I I agree with you on the lack of contrast thing, but I'm interested to know, like, speaking from a technically neurological standpoint, is there, like, I I guess, like, or do you think that they're separated enough that like happiness can exist without sadness? Because like we're, I mean, obviously you can't contribute um, one emotion to like a single neurotransmitter mm-hmm. or a single experience, but like technically neurologically, neurologically speaking, do you guys think that it's, we could define happiness without sadness? I think that depends if you're going to define happiness as or sadness as the absence of happiness and then the absence true. of the neurotransmitters mm-hmm. that contribute towards mm. that happiness. True, true. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> I actually found a quote from like psycho- psychology today that I feel would help in answering that question. Um, so they say, like, the height of personal happiness can only be measured by the depth of personal sadness. Happiness is not a standalone feeling. It is a comparative emotion. The measure of happiness happiness a person feels is judged against the measure of sadness a person felt in the past. Which is to say, basically, the fear of being sad or sometimes the unwillingness to do things you would know might make you sad can actually impact how happy you feel when you actually have a reason to be happy, if that makes sense. So, okay. yeah. Um, All right. Feeling yeah. <laughs> feeling sad warns some, warns someone that there's probably something in their emotional lives that they need to deal with. Much like physical pain would warn you that there's something wrong with your body. Oh, so, yeah, I I felt like that was really interesting. Um, and also found that sadness can actually encourage empathy. You might not think about it a lot, but if you go through something traumatic or, um, if you go through like a period of sadness, you can actually relate better to people who have gone through similar experiences. So, yeah, like, they can actually bring people closer together and help people heal and grow in ways they might not have if not for their sadness, which is really interesting. I hadn't really thought of sadness being a positive emotion before, but 
I feel like there can definitely be positive outcomes from um, being sad. So this this yeah. is like the whole like the whole plot of Inside Out, right? I know. Thanks, you made my <laughs> next point for me. <laughs> oh. But yeah, definitely. Like Inside Out was right. You can't only be happy. Like you can't only be happy all of the time without sadness, and it wouldn't be healthy to to experience that at all. Yeah, like definitely. Mm. In Inside Out, they like I guess it was more of a sense of community, you know, like being able to empathize with people through like a shared, uh, or not maybe not even like a shared experience, but like a shared feeling of sadness. There's mm. like definitely a, a unique brand of happiness that comes out of it. That's like definitely connects to like the fact that we're all social beings and we kind of um, all desire to be part of like a group or part of a community. And that can easily happen if you all kind of share that same vulnerability and sadness. Yeah, definitely. That's actually an amazing way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like I was saying, that's very much probably why we we're all like chasing after happiness, like this social aspect. (laughs) <laughs> why we like buy so many things and uh, why mm-hmm. capitalism is doing so well in countries all over the world. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. not wrong. There is mm-hmm. definitely a correlation between happiness and money. I mean, like even like according to research, there have been like a bunch of studies about that. Like actually there's a study I was reading um, from the PNAS, which stands for the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And um, unsurprisingly, the more money someone earns, the happier they're likely to be. However, um, like, I mean, here, over, like, one million real-time reports um, show that, like, there is a correlation between, like, a linear correlation between um, someone who earns about, like, leading up to $80,000 of um, salary. And I I think that, like, that $80,000, I guess is substantial because it's kind of um the the like cost of living in that area i think this Mm -hmm. is like uh yeah this is a study based in the u.s and this might have been some time ago but um it essentially suggests that higher incomes may still have the potential to improve people's day-to-day well-being rather than having already like reached a plateau for many people in like wealthy countries it's essentially saying that like um if you have enough money to like sustain a lifestyle that makes you happy like that like you can like feed yourself and like support yourself you would think that like your happiness would plateau with the core like in terms of that correlation with money which isn't entirely wrong Mm -hmm. however the key here is to spend money on experiences so like for example like spending money on vacations spending money to like see people People can, like, for example, if we're talking about vacations, people can be happier even before they go on the vacation, which, um, you know, kind of adds into, like, that whole, whole like, happiness and money mm-hmm. correlation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point is that, like, um, instead of buying into material things, buying into experiences, which, again, you can use to, like, use to bond with people typically, those are the experiences Um that have the highest correlation with like happiness it's like yeah Mm. does that make sense it does initially would have expected something a little bit different like i thought if you get goods because like you get to keep them and they're like tangible then like Mm -hmm. you might be happier Mm. but i guess like the fact that it's like fleeting and like you get one experience and then that's it 
like you kind of learn to cherish it and mm-hmm. like oh that's a more. really good point i didn't think mm-hmm. of it like that yeah, wasn't good. there like a statement that was similar to this that was talking about the fact that anything in the 21st like modern century that has the word fast in front of it like fast <laughs> food and fast fashion is all just like this like capitalistic exploitation of our like neuro circuits that directly target like neurotransmitter Ooh. production oh um, actually that like perfectly <laughs> segues into like kind of what i researched about like um shopping and impulsivity because like Technically, there is, like, that, like, infinite, I guess, link between um, the neurological definition of happiness, which is, you know, like, aka a surge of dopamine and serotonin in your frontal cortical areas, and, like, Mm. buying new things with impulsivity. So, like, that that whole thing about, like, investing in, like, fast fashion, fast food, these are all things that, like, target that impulsivity kind of circuit that runs when we purchase new things, which is why, like, actually, it's, like, one of the reasons why like up like compulsive shopping disorders have developed it's like it's categorized as a mental health condition which is um shown by like persistent excessive impulsive uncontrollable purchase of products in spite of severe psychological social and perhaps even financial situation it's like you'll do anything to like kind of keep that um adrenaline like dopamine high of purchasing mm-hmm. new things which is i guess capitalism in a whole am i right just hacking into your <laughs> your neural networks to make sure that the world goes around with money yeah. yay giving giving confessions of a shopaholic a whole new meaning <laughs> <laughs> oh no ruining honestly that's basically what this entire podcast series is just ruining every like rom-com <laughs> and every like cliche Hollywood movie you've ever seen. Every romantic or rom-com trope, we're taking it down. <laughs> Just you wait. One, we'll one get... per episode, one at a time. We'll get to December and we'll have like half of them down. Just you wait. <laughs> what yeah, you were talking probably. about, like with the plateau at a certain income was really interesting to me. Like, could it be related probably to like, sorry, I'm trying to structure my thoughts. <laughs> I, I was studying this thing in like psychology called like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs you've oh, probably heard yeah. of it oh yeah um, yeah where like the basic needs like uh, physiological and safety needs are at the bottom and you have higher needs that like love and belonging love and belonging or like self-esteem and mm-hmm. yeah i wonder if like that kind of income sort of cap um would exist because maybe you only need a certain amount of money to like live comfortably and be safe and the next step you need like to achieve more happiness or like a more sustained kind of sense of happiness is to feel yeah. like loved and like you belong somewhere. Definitely. Like, I, oh, yeah, I, I just bring thought maybe something up about that. Cause I feel like that's a really, really interesting point, but like theoretically once like you get really, really rich, like it's really hard to distinguish who actually loves you and like, who's just in it. For oh them. yeah. So I feel like, <laughs> like would it like kind of go down because maybe that like, level of needs of like belonging and just having connections and just having like real genuine experiences doesn't really exist anymore once you reach a certain point of wealth Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah i guess yeah i was gonna say that like i think that the correlation between like purchasing tangible like objects um is like it that correlation between like purchasing those objects and like happiness um (laughs) increases until you hit that income cap and then i think it becomes like um investing your money into things that'll 
um, give you like a long lasting sustainable happiness, which just tends to be experiences. But what you said about like, you know, like love, <laughs> that's, that's a really interesting thought. Kind of relating to what I said about um, how people <laughs> will just tend to buy things, um, maybe perhaps as an unhealthy coping mechanism or just because like, you know, they can kind of rely on it to give them that like hit of happiness. Um, another thing, another question that kind of um, stuck out to me was that like, can happiness be taught? I mean, like, what do you guys think? Like, can happiness is like happiness a choice? I guess, in that sense. I, I definitely think, I think, think that. So. Oh. Like, um, I definitely think that happiness can be taught. Like, if maybe you're surrounded by adults and you're a kid, at if as a kid, as a child, you're surrounded by like positive adults who are, you know, happy all the time, and they teach you to think positively, then yeah, you'll probably be more happy than someone who's const- who's always surrounded by like depressed yeah. adults oh yeah I so think... it's like that whole nature nurture thing yeah go on clarinda yeah <laughs> okay finally thank you <laughs> yeah. i think no i think um building on like i do i do sort of agree i believe that happy habits can be taught because basing on the idea that there is like stimuli and correlation between your neural circuits, like building upon stimuli that's normally taught through childhood. I think that you can definitely be taught to find happiness in some things through your parents. And Mm -hmm. I think it becomes more of a habit. But also it is true that you could technically believe that because we are social primates that if you surround yourself with happy people, ergo, you will find happiness. Mm, yeah obviously we have to make the distinction here between that like um if someone suffers from depression or is going through like a very difficult time like choosing happiness is not an option there um mostly because when we're talking about depression or like uh just generally when someone's going through a tough time it tends to be like chronic at least for some period of time so just choosing to be happiness is not a choice however Something interesting I found was that there's a large correlation between genetics and general happiness. Apparently, there's a 40% correlation proving the effect of genes on overall happiness. Now, to be frank... That's that's, that's pretty high. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to be frank, I don't know if (laughs) these are the same genes that maybe would predispose you to be at less risk of depression, if that makes sense, or of mental illnesses. However, I think it's still notable that there's a 40% correlation between genes and, like, overall happiness. I think, though, Ali brought up a really interesting point before of, like, how um, it would be worthwhile to definitely, like, kind of do an epigenetics study where, like, Mm. you would kind of expose, like, twins, right? In different environments. And, like, like, find out if it's nature versus nurture yeah. bringing psychology yeah. topics into this discussion again <laughs> although, yeah. although ex- exposing a, but that ethically um oh making like, making one <laughs> twin very depressed ethically, ethically can be very be questionable yeah <laughs> ethically that would not be the best let's say hypothetically hypothetically <laughs> it would be a great study mm-hmm. definitely yeah, but um, some people can just choose between wallowing in old problems and learning happiness strategies. Of course, it's not like an immediate switch. It takes learning. But the point is that like some people are capable of being taught how to be happy because I guess for some people, <laughs> if you do happy things, 
like kind of like what Clarinda said, if you do happy, if you continue doing happy habits, you can find happiness by its technical definition. So, um, you know, these strategies will typically choose to like, it's like the whole positive psychology thing. Like, for example, using meditation to keep the anxious part of our brains. Like, of course, it (laughs) should be noted that your limbic system and amygdala are, of course, important because they regulate your strong emotional response. However, of course, issues start arising when um, people experience that like chronic irrational activity prompted anxiety if you know what I mean Mm, yeah so like I guess the ending philosophy here is that we can some people can choose to be well we can all choose to be kind to others and be happier as a result Mm. of course some people and most people are not in full control of our happiness but to some degree we can choose to give ourselves the best chance of it yeah so I was just wondering do you guys have any specific tips for just being happier (laughs) uh (laughs) kind of depends on where you are where you're at in your life (laughs) in terms of (laughs) like i one common thread that like seems to show up a lot in like things i've researched are meditation like Mm. everyone keeps on insisting that meditation like even if it's just for 10 20 minutes a day is a really great way to kind of like set the Mm -hmm. tone for the rest of the day and to calm yourself down and give yourself a sense of like inner peace you know yeah honestly that makes sense because we were talking about like the amygdala earlier and like Mm -hmm. shrinking the amygdala and i feel like meditation would probably reduce your amygdala activity right here's the thing though is that with meditation you have to be mindful about it you can't Mm -hmm. just do it because like you can't do it without your full heart because otherwise it will not work Mm -hmm. you have to be like open and inviting into doing it Mm -hmm. otherwise Honestly, it'll just, like, if you're going into it, like, trying to prove to yourself that it doesn't work, it won't work. (laughs) Yeah, no, I spent my entire middle school trying to prove that it didn't work. (laughs) And of course it didn't work. (laughs) Wow, like, I figured this is a hoax. (laughs) I still have objections to it because it, it, I don't know, I feel like they're whispering in my ear. My whole body (laughs) goes into they? Who is they? Feel your lungs as they breathe in. And, out. <laughs> and as and you picture yourself and I'm just like mm, this is I can feel like they're breathing on my face. I don't think guided meditations are for you. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know about that. What gave you that idea? <laughs> I agree with Ali. Meditation is definitely one way, but if you're like me and not able to sit still enough to meditate, um, you could going in nature. I yeah. you don't even have to hike. Just like sit grass in a park, touch some, touch some grass, touch some grass, <laughs> feel some vitamin D there's, on there's your skin. You're passionate mm-hmm. about because there's a state of flow that we can go in, and it's just like bliss when we are doing stuff that we really want to do and that we love to do, and that's like the perfect challenge for us. So I guess go find out what you're passionate about and go do it. <laughs> go find yes, fun. yeah, hobbies. Yes. When did something, we become life coaches? Like, like something not as spiritual oh yeah that's a good idea but something not as spiritual as that is i remember i read an article talking about how that you release like neuro like dopamine and oxytocin when you groom yourself which can also be translated so especially now in the pandemic put on an outfit randomly happy for no reason go get ready for no reason benefit off of your neural circuit exploit your neural circuit exploit capitalism be the capitalism (laughs) capitalism you want to be (laughs) 
don't let all of, don't let like H and M like take up your neural circuits. Take it from H and M. Yeah, H and M yourself. H and M yourself. <laughs> well, I guess this kind of segues into um, our last and final question. Mm-hmm. Um, what if you were always happy? Yeah. What are your thoughts actually on this? Before I go into what I found out. I guess this kind of relates to what we started with, right? Like mm-hmm. the whole contrast thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. What do we constitute as always, though? Because mm-hmm. I think you can't constantly be happy. Mm-hmm. But if you mean like you're happy the entire day, except for one minute of depression, <laughs> to like to like foundation. Can you call that depression? That, the rest of that twenty-four hours. I don't like, think you could classify that as depression. <laughs> like you just hit one minute of solid depression <laughs> to remind you how happy you are. I think that could work. Like, it'd be really unstable. That gave me, like, an awful, like, pitch for, like, a dystopian movie. (laughs) Like, they're, like, happy all the time. They're, like, dopamine circuits are, like, constantly simulated, except for, like, one moment of the day where they're just, like, (laughs) all of the happiness neural networks are turned off and it's just pure sadness. Oh, right? oh but then God. you'd be happy because there would be presence of sadness even if it'd be for a minute <laughs> i guess yeah <laughs> wait okay so you guys all think that if you were always like happy you like it would be a good thing no <laughs> <laughs> no i mean would like it, would it be better than being depressed I well yes. <laughs> okay, objectively yes. But yes, but but, but, but but if you compare it to someone who has like normal emotions, would you think would you say that constantly like being happy would be better? Oh. Well, I guess like yeah, when it, it lead like, to depression? I guess it could. Mm-hmm. Constant that's, that's a paradox. That is a paradox. Because <laughs> constantly yeah. numb to your feelings would lead to depression. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I like, guess... my own... Oh, wait, you go first. No, 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 continue. continue. No, like, I was going to go into my research, so you go first. Well, I was just going to say, like, if happiness is always your baseline, then, like, is it even happiness? Yeah, exactly. Guess, yeah, you just, like... just summarized all my research. Oh, oh no. my God, Adia, not again. No. <laughs> Adia. Well, tell me, tell me, tell me why exactly. Like, tell me the details. We don't it. know why, though. <laughs> okay, so my own, like, sort of opinion before research again was that surely it would be a positive thing. And I couldn't, I didn't see how it could possibly be negative. Like, because happiness is sort of like the main driving force which behind everything you do. It would be the ideal form of existence. But um, I found that according to like research done by uh, UC Berkeley, when people experience overwhelming am- amounts of happiness, they no longer experience the same creativity boost, even losing their creativity to altogether in serious cases. And apparently too much positive emotion actually hinders people's flexibility in facing challenges, which um, might lead to like psychological harm. When we feel when we experience happiness, we tend to feel like less inhibited too. And more likely to explore new possibilities and take risks, mm-hmm. which, well, yeah. obviously you can see how that would go wrong. <laughs> you could, um, someone who's always happy might foc- might only focus on the positive things around them, and just not be able to see threats at all, putting them at a huge risk for things like excessive alcohol consumption or binge eating or sexual pr- promiscuity, drug use, all of these terrible things. Sexual so, promiscuity. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know. Yeah, this sounds like a manic episode. 
yeah yeah actually I think somewhere else in my research I can't find it right now but somewhere else in my research like it's it's been found that if you're like happy all of the time then it like raises the chance of you like getting diagnosed with a a mood disorder like that makes sense manic yeah mania do you think that for a certain amount of time if you were like constantly happiness do you think it necessarily has to be followed by like a dark depression (laughs) do you know what i mean (laughs) Like, this sounds th- like bipolar disorder. I know, I know. Like, <laughs> do, you think, do you think like that's the only way it could exist? I think I maybe see. it's more like when you hang out with people and you're getting ready and you're really excited and then you're there and you're really excited and then, you know, you leave and you sit in your taxi or you sit in the MCR and you're just really depressed. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it works like that. All of your analogies have centered around getting ready to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're not wrong. We're in a pandemic. Yeah, actually, sort of related to that. Um, it was found in like a 1993 study by a psychologist called Howard S. Friedman that like a lot of children Howard. who were considered as like, and I quote, highly cheerful had a greater risk of like mortality in adulthood oh which, no yeah so, <laughs> oh, no. so being happy like for an extended period of time or being more happy than your peers might actually not be so good for your like long-term health and all that jazz see that's what i'm saying does it always have to be followed with like a dark episode <laughs> later in life like if that is that what people are heading towards well sort of but also i don't it's it's complicated basically i know it's surprising (laughs) but yeah it's complicated because happiness obviously does have benefits it's like the most popular emotion for a reason Um, (laughs) it helps people have like the drive to achieve goals and to like engage with and cooperate with others in a social setting but other emotions do have like their own functions and help us meet different meets like Fear keeps us safe from threats. Anger helps us fight back against danger. And sadness as an, like, as sort of an undesirable state helps us avoid things that are bad for us. And the same goes for happiness. It does help us to, like, pursue and to attain goals and obviously encourage us to, like, cooperate with other people. But just as we wouldn't want to feel like anger or sad in every single context we should not want to experience happiness in every context either because mm-hmm. variety and that would be bad and also you know <laughs> death and all of the stuff i mentioned variety and death yeah of variety course. and death the core concepts of happiness ah yes of course <laughs> according to like a psychologist called charles Char- charles carver oh no <laughs> happiness interesting name <laughs> happiness causes a sort of like state of realization you start to get comfortable and like lazy when you're happy and you begin to perform at a lower level think of all the times you've done better at something simply because you were mad at someone or because you feared some consequence (laughs) like handing in your homework on time (laughs) not me um yeah you're right (laughs) right like if you're just constantly happy and complacent in like and you didn't care about not handing in your homework on time would you finish your homework on time i guess yeah no (laughs) no (laughs) so yeah like these different emotions other than happiness 
drive us to attain our goals and are a lot of the time are a lot more effective than happiness. So yeah, happiness is good, but only in specific contexts and situations. That's interesting. Yeah. I feel like honestly, as like a kind of as like a society as a whole, I think we've <laughs> kind of solidified the fact that like or not the fact, but like the phenomenon that like if you struggle and if you work hard and if you push yourself you'll like achieve happiness it's like kind of like delayed gratification in a sense mm. and like yeah if you push yourself and if you're striving and if even if you're like not at your happiest right now um you'll reap mm. the rewards of your labor labor and you'll be happy then mm. which i guess is being proven yeah, by this research yeah yeah I but guess. also yeah but also kind of like so yeah moving on a little bit did you know that there's more than one type of happiness well you probably did like instinctively but have you ever consciously thought about all the different forms or different words for happiness we have and the different like connotations we have with Mm, i guess like do you like huh i guess i didn't really think of like happen happiness beyond like the context of just huh what is happiness (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, like, I mean, words like contentment and exhilaration and pride, like, they all mean slightly different things, but at their core, they all mean, technically, they're all, like, lumped under this huge umbrella of happiness. So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, And I, yeah, I read about it, and I was like, well, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, So, yeah, since, um... Happiness is generally thought of as, like, a positive emotion with positive results and benefits. Um, but, like, studies done by also, again, UC Berkeley, have found that some types of happiness might actually be a source of dysfunction. Um, oh. Yeah. Would you, like, would you like to try to predict, actually? I'm curious <laughs> to hear. Well, yeah, what are your thoughts? What, emo- what, like, types of happiness might not be? Oh, necessarily like, all like good all the time. I guess like, mm. oh, I don't know if you can characterize this as happiness, but like, I guess an inflated ego. Could you mm. characterize that? You know, like yeah, I guess with narcissistic personality disorder, definitely specifically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That exactly. Actually, that was what I wanted to talk about. Oh, ooh, uh, oh, ooh. you should be covering this instead of me. Oh my god! No, no, no. <laughs> this is amazing research. So, yeah, like, pride is a positive emotion that's associated with happiness. And it's obviously good to have pride in yourself and others and what you do. Like, self-esteem, right? <laughs> it hey, also be, yeah, self-esteem. self-esteem. <laughs> it can also be, like, a really useful driving force to achieve your goals. But, like Adia said, it can also make you focus more on yourself than other people and lead to behaviors like aggressiveness and antisocial behavior, Ooh. as well as an increased risk of mood, is- mood disorders like mania. Oh, there there was the research I was talking about earlier. So oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Like, if you have too much pride, then you're you'll probably develop like narcissistic personality disorder, and that would not be good. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> it would not. <laughs> so according to like the research I did, self-focused positive emotions like pride might actually hinder our ability to emphasize, em- mm. empathize, or take other. Or take another person's perspective during difficult emotional times. So, yeah, different types of happiness can actually disrupt how you engage and cooperate with others in a social setting instead of helping, like we always assume happiness to do in, like, social Mm. scenarios. Interesting. That's Mm -hmm. that's really cool. (laughs) Another point against being always happy is 
this disease or like this oh. syndrome, this Uh-oh. condition oh. called happy heart syndrome. You've seen my research. You know what this is. Oh, yes, basically, <laughs> there's this other condition called broken heart syndrome. Oh, um, so yeah, it's known medically as I for- forgive me for probably butchering the the pronunciation. It's known medically as Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. Dang. Um, okay. It's basically. That was awesome. <laughs> I try. I try. A doctor. <laughs> I, I try. <laughs> basically, it's when some strong emotion causes the right ventricle to swell up like a balloon, causing symptoms similar to those of a heart attack. Uh, so wow. when it's <laughs> when it's broken heart syndrome, it is caused by a period of extreme stress, which led to its nickname, obviously. <laughs> but. A recent study done by the European Heart Journal shows that 4% of people diagnosed with Takotsubo cardiomyopathy were actually triggered by events of extreme happiness. So, yeah, happy heart syndrome. In a lot of cases, the well, in most cases, actually, the heart dysfunction is reversible, but a small percentage of people might suffer mm-hmm. from life-threatening complications. So, uh, yeah, think about that the next time you say something like, I'm so happy I could die because wow. you could... <laughs> Imagine coming at someone with this information. Like you could die, actually. You think you think yeah, you, you could, could die? die. <laughs> Consider the implications of being happy. That's what that's what this is leading to. Wow. Yeah. That's 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 so interesting, though. Because I have like, I mean, I guess like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people have experienced that emotion of like being so happy that you're like literally on cloud nine. Like you, like nothing can destroy your mood. Like you're seeing everything in a new light but like wow this is definitely not what i would want yeah Yeah, definitely i can also vouch that uh throughout history there have been a few people who have died of broken hearts Mm -hmm. one of them one of them is giasudin balban and so he was a ruler in india in 1200s and he was an iron-fisted ruler, so he was really, really tough. Wow. And then, and then his son died, and he died of a broken heart. And I can guarantee oh. you there is one ruler, and I forgot who it was, but one of them has died of a broken heart. And no. so this is not, like, wow. super uncommon in history. Wow. It's like a, <laughs> like a social practice for your body to just also die when you like someone who dies. <laughs> I'm just like them. <laughs> die out of sympathy no oh my God, let me join you in your coffin <laughs> oh my God. wasn't that like help with and juliet yes oh, oh. it was oh wow. dear it's all based oh. on neurology happiness oh yeah i bet that's what shakespeare was thinking when he was writing <laughs> Romeo and juliet mm-hmm. definitely the first thing that crossed his mind so yeah great to conclude that um and to bring up another argument against being always happy another like sort of argument suggests that always all constantly always being happy would soon become boring because you would get used to the things that make you happy ah yes like it's a baseline yeah mm. oh my god it's all coming full circle it's all coming full circle <laughs> this there's this website called trackinghappiness.com and it calls this the hedonic treadmill where you're running and running in the same place in pursuit of happiness, but you'll never truly reach it simply because you're constantly in a state of happiness. So, yeah. Um, While I was researching this depressingly named treadmill, I found an answer to the question, what would happen if we were happy all the time on none other than Quora? Ah, Quora. Naturally. 
<clears throat> so, and this is just like the opinion of like one person, but I felt like it really aligned with my own opinion on everything after like researching. So yeah, the answer says one appreciates all of the good happy moments in his or her life because he or she has not seen bad days. Oh, it has seen bad days. How can one feel happiness when he or she has not seen anything worse? It would feel all the same to him or her, and hence his or her life curve would be a constant line. No ups, no downs. Happiness would have lost its definition in that case. I.e., there is no con- if there is no contrast between happiness and all the other emotions you can experience, if you're happy all of the time, you wouldn't be able to cherish or appreciate it properly. Your happiness would be deeper and f- more significant if it were earned and if you know what it's like to not be happy. So, yeah, if you were happy all the time, it would be a more superficial sort of happiness with no depth or and no flavor. And happiness <laughs> loses its definition if you're constantly happy. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a paradox, which I found was really interesting. That is really interesting. I guess, like, as a society, and I guess, like, technically, we do um, define happiness as kind of, like, you know, if, like, the baseline was neutral, happiness is very much, like, the positive of that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's the positive stimulation of it. And if you're not, if you're always at that positive stimulation, it becomes the new baseline. And yeah, exactly. You're not happy then. Exactly. Yeah. If, like, happy, like you said, if happiness is the baseline, then what's better than happiness? Yeah, and the happiness is supposed to be better. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Beautiful. Okay. So, yeah, that the conclusion, the... Inside Out was right. That's, it. That's the conclusion. <laughs> Period. <laughs> it's like that. Pixar, Pixar right. got it right the first Yeah, time. Pixar exactly. got it right. Exactly. Pixar always gets it right. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that rounds yeah. us out on our research. Do you guys have any concluding thoughts? That was beautiful. <laughs> Thank beautiful. you for sharing. It's beautiful. I guess last, last words of wisdom. Do what makes you happy on yeah. Happiness Day, March 20th, baby. Yeah. It's <laughs> a uh, Sunday, is it? Yes. No, Sunday is not a very happy bit, happy day, but it could be. <laughs> could be. Yeah. But if you're okay. sad, that's okay too, because sadness has to exist for happiness to be fully appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys you for joining check us. Check out the next episode, mm-hmm. which is going to be about sleep, insomnia, and hallucinations. Ooh. Woo. All right. Thank you guys. <laughs>